previously, previously on the Game On Podcast. If you if you talk about two on top, yeah, it was uh, it was a nice surprise, and I wasn't going to give it back. I can tell you that absolutely. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it was uh, just nice to have, I suppose. Who was driving standards at at that stage at the Nord Footy Club? Obviously, Bass was there. Uh, any players that stand out? That yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, drove um, a lot so, of standards. Yeah, so I always think like. 2010, Freddie coached us and like he coached us hard and because he, he, the whole way we played was totally different. Even the way we trained, I remember walking off the track thinking, I've only touched the ball 10 times and I was like knackered and we had trained for about an hour and 10 minutes, an uh, hour and a half, but it was all defensive strategies, where you're going to be, setups and all that. So it was all, everything had sort of been changed and flipped around. So he really drove you know, the standards and everything. And then as the as the years went on, by 2012, 2013, he was he he was taking more of a backward step and it was the players that were actually driving the standards. Freddie was also involved, but there was more involvement with the players telling people what to do, where they, where they should be, why aren't you there? Yeah. You gotta do that type stuff. And like, you know, people like Matty Suckling, you know, he's probably the first person that comes to mind. He he was uh yeah, you know, from day dot. As soon as he walked in, he was very instrumental um, with his voice and the way he, um, oh, just his persona. If like his, yeah, I actually used to stop and reflect myself, going, you know, I'm I'm the experienced one here. I probably should be a little bit more like himself. Uh, why aren't I driving these standards like him? So you know, it made me reflect. It's just on he had a pretty authoritative personality, and then Gags was obviously the other one as well. Gags with Muff. With the, with the other couple yeah, there. Yeah, as I said, we, got, we had like, we had we had our older, older heads, like probably myself, Gags, Muff, um, Benny Warren, um, you know, we were, you know, all that 30 old, 30, 30 year, years old sort of ones. And then we had sort of like the next group, which was like yeah, Jace Bode, uh, Suckers, uh, Giorgio, um, uh, Ben Jeffries, Tim Webber, all that group. So we sort of had, um, you know, the older heads, but they sort of, I would say that Suckers and Bodie were very vocal. It was more gags myself. Muffer had to tell them, hey, cool the Jets a bit or, you know, maybe steer them in the right right way because they they probably sometimes, uh, I'm not saying overstook the line, but they they definitely, uh, you know, were boisterous in, in their ways. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome to Game On. Welcome to Game On. My name's Pete. Once again, joined by Malcolm. And that was Brett Zorzi last week. He sort of... we. Brought him in into the conversation just before he was talking about his Jack Odie medal, but it was interesting to hear that um, him driving. Uh, sorry, uh, that Bass really allowed the players to drive the standards yeah. during those premiership years, which I think is the sign of a really good coach. 
Yeah, Bass, then it was combination then where Kieran McGuinness, Gags, the senior, Jace Bow, the senior list grabbed that. Benny Warren grabbed that. That opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty special time, obviously, 12, 13, 14. It was fantastic turning up at games, pretty relaxed. I admit the 12th, the 12th grand final, I reckon I started celebrating at about 11 o'clock in the morning. I thought we were in absolute certainty. So, Absolutely. Yeah. But he did say there's no no easy yeah, grand yeah, final. Yeah. But I can understand why yes. when um, you know sent, uh, sorry West Adelaide had uh, played a little bit defensive and oh. it played into, into Bass's hands a little bit, didn't it? Yes, we may have had a few jokes amongst us. We're trying to say if Westy's played us 100 times, whether we would have won 99 or 100 playing that way. So you never yeah, know. It, was cra- it was crazy. Uh, so, yes, uh, thank you to uh, Brett Zorzi last week for uh, giving us uh, his time and, and, and telling us all about those uh, fantastic years at the Nord Footy Club. But five, losing five games in two years was yeah. a pretty special time, wasn't it? Very much so. All right. Around the Grounds. All right, on Around the Grounds today, we're going to have a look at the soccer. Adelaide United, uh, once again, doing a pretty fair effort. The SNFLW results from the weekend. We'll have a look at the uh, rugby, a bit of an update there. But, mate, uh, let's start off with uh, round four in the AFL. Um, before we kick into that, uh, it's gather round here in SA. Fantastic. Isn't uh, it? it? It's huge over here. And, look, it, I've, I've been got... I admit, I've got angry with some Victorian reactions saying, oh, oh, the Collingwood-St. Kilda game should be changed to the G. Oh, we get a bigger crowd. And I'm thinking, you fools, the game wouldn't be happening. I said, go enjoy the game by yourself because guess what? There's not a footy game happening. Mm -hmm. It's an extra round. How people can't understand that. And gather round. There's 10 teams in Victoria which is ridiculous in a national competition. So they have gather around every week over yep, there. Yep. It's crazy. So it is fantastic. Great initiative. Fantastic by Peter Malinowskis yep. and the Sastrain government Big to tick. make sure yep. they got it. Huge tick. And... Yeah, it's electric atmosphere over here. Like you said, you went and had a look at Carlton. Yep. Couldn't uh, believe the number of people at Armley. It was almost like an SNFL game where the um, the people were up in the stands, around the ground, uh, absolutely enjoying the festivities. And this is only two days or a day before uh, the um, Adelaide-Carlton game on Thursday night. They've they've sold 200,000 tickets. You know, like... That's actually a re- two hundred thousand, quite a reasonable overall crowd yes. for an AFL round. Yes, and like it's just huge. And people, how people can't Im- still haven't embraced it. People complain. Oh, Collingwood, we've had to, we've had two games in a row. We've had to travel. Well, hello, mm-hmm. welcome to the real world. Yep. Yeah. I think that uh, Peter Malinowskis made mention in one of his press conferences today that you know, how good would it be if if we get a bigger crowd at the Adelaide Oval for a Sydney-Richmond uh, game versus a SCG crowd as yeah. well. Just little things like yeah. that. Um, you know, GWS played the Crows in round one. I think it was about 9,800 people. Um, you know, you're probably going to get that or equivalent either at Nord Oval or up at, at Mount Nord. Barker. Yeah. Up at Mount Barker. Um, so I think, you know, if you think back to the pandemic where we were having to watch a lot of these games, um, you know, midweek uh, in different states, uh, two games back-to-back, et cetera, et cetera, it's almost an adaptation of, of that, isn't it? And it's there's people coming from everywhere and there's a lot of people going who don't normally go. It's not just that traditional... Yes. Like the season tickets are a huge part of Crows, especially mm-hmm. slightly less with Port, but it's still the majority yep. of the crowd. With it, 
Well, they open it up to everybody. Yeah, it's just anyone and everyone. It's it's great. So do we – yeah, I'm looking forward to the couple of games at the home of football. So uh, the James H homecoming game. At the parade, yes. parade with that. And then we've got uh, Hawthorne and GWS as well. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. What uh, what are you going to be heading off to any games? Have you got? I'm, I'm involved in those two in games. those two games yeah. at Nord Oval. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Uh, I was lucky enough to get a ticket to the Adelaide Carlton game tomorrow night. So, um, or Thursday night. Um, yeah, so, yep. um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that, and I probably wouldn't have been able to get a ticket to yeah. that game if it yeah. was just a normal uh, season ticket ticketed game. Um, and I and I like the idea of a game at Mount Barker, you know, even yeah, up at the Barossa or somewhere down. I, I think the Barossa was. People don't realise in terms of the yeah. how many how many how big the broadcasting side of it is. Yes, like good luck getting in Wood Street from. Uh, yep. From tomorrow, tomorrow onwards, and it's just huge. And there's a lot more things, and we'll probably try and get Baz Solomon on in the week or two afterwards, mm-hmm. and just to talk about how many things have happened at Nord to oh, get the game on. The, People have no idea the, how many things are going. The checklist on. would have been oh. huge, and it would have started months ago. Yeah, um, you know, I did see some photos of them obviously preparing the ground over the last uh, uh, couple of days, but you know. Th- the uh, Wood Street there has already been blocked off and a lot of that oh. uh, uh, broadcast gear has been put into play, but I'm sure there's a ton oh, more that's still going to go in in the next yeah. couple of days. So yeah. it's uh, mind-boggling, but it's great for SA footy. And uh, you may mentioned earlier that, you know, Sturt were holding uh, practice sessions. Obviously, most of the SANFL grounds yep. are. But how good is it for a local youngster to say, you know, not only can we go to our local SNFL ground around the corner and watch these guys practice, even if it's for a forty-five minutes, forty-five minute captain's run or a, yeah. you know, a light run, they get to, to see these guys in the flesh, which they don't get up close with uh, on a regular basis. I think there's kids coaching clinics of it's between four and five thousand kids yep. uh, over this next week. You know, you've also got. Uh, the big screens up in Elder Park, mm-hmm. the zip climbing yep. sort of the flying festival fox of sort of footy, thing uh, over, over, over the Elder Park. Yep. And it's incredible. And just, yeah, so there's one thing with South Australia. When we do something, well, we, don't we, go do half, it, we do it well. We don't go in half half ass, do we? Um, that was probably my next point that I was going to talk about with the, with the gather round that uh, uh, I think we've turned it on and there is some talk about other states already going, we want it next year. Is it going to be a case of that you, you give um, a, a state maybe a couple of years run at it and then that's, maybe move it on? That's the mail. Yeah. The mail, the mail is around that they are, the AFL are blown away by what's happening in South Australia this weekend that it, it is likely to be in South Australia next year. Yeah, so maybe a couple of years at a yeah, time and then maybe move it on. That seems to be the thought process. And I'd be quite happy either yeah. way. I mean, really, at the end of the day, footy is going to be the winner. And, yeah. you know, if it does uh, end up at the Gold Coast for a couple of weeks in June or whenever it is or over to Perth for a week or two, um, you're not exactly going to be too <laughs> displeased, that's for sure. Yeah, and, you know, there's also so Fremantle training at Nord, Nord tomorrow yep. morning. I think Gold Coast were there tonight. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Sydney are training at St. Saint Peter's College, a.k.a. Hackney High School. Yes. Jeez, they hate that. So it'll be the homecoming for Dylan Stevens and uh, and Will Haywood. Uh, back to their stomping ground, of course. It is obviously organised by, by Tommy Tom Harley, Tom Harley yep. a former student at Hackney High yep. uh, and Loretto College as well. We'll, yes. we'll worry about that another time. Yep. 
So, uh, yeah. And I think Richmond are uh, down at Glenelg. Glenelg, yeah. Um, somebody's out at North Adelaide. Mel- Melbourne are out at North Adelaide, uh, home ground. Yeah, so it's, it's great. just fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. And yep. I think from that point of view, it couldn't have been done any better. Fantastic. The SNFL facilities that uh, that we talked about with Brett Zorzi last week versus some of the VFL uh, facilities, um, you know, I think the players would actually be blown away that at a local league level, and again, we don't want to call it local because we don't want to do it a disservice, but at an SNFL level, it's fantastic that they get to see those facilities up front. Oh, look, and I'll, you know, the word will get around amongst amongst the players back there, the fringe, to, hey, if you're going to go over the ground, jeez. That oval at Nord's pretty specky, yep. rah, rah, rah. Yeah, yep. you know, and training uh, at Unley tonight. Just, just done there. And the development, development at Unley, you're going to look up, jeez, that's a bit better than what we've got at, at VFL level. Yes. So it's not going to hurt South Australian Absolutely. recruiting-wise. I, I think North Adelaide have also done a bit of a, a revamp yes. as well. So there's all things there's, happening. There's all things happening, and, and South Adelaide uh, obviously started their ground a few years ago and have just been slowly adding on and adding mm. on, and Glenelg are in the same boat. So... You know, every SNFL club's got yep. plenty of upside for uh, potential players. Definitely. All right, mate, we'll, we'll, we'll cover that a little bit later when we go through our tips for the round. But uh, let's talk about um, round four. Um, any surprises from round four for you? No, maybe Port against Sydney, but Port's record against Sydney is, is very well, uh, is fantastic. And wasn't that incredible? The last couple of minutes, you, you, it was the Keystone Cops errors of <laughs> of under tens. You yes. had you had Dixon giving away that fifty. You then had Port set up for the kicking. Kicking was bizarre, yes. and I don't understand why I, Bass I, doesn't get more say yep. over things there because I know the Nord setups under Bass they would have been far better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so some weird things there. Then of course. The, the premature celebration. Well, I was going to get to that. I sat it was the, bizarre. I sat on the lounge watching it with my jaw on the ground oh. thinking, well, he's going to kick this. And oh. off the boot, it looked yeah. brilliant. Uh, I did hear uh, Travis Boak talk about it uh, either on radio. It might have been on uh, AFL 360 last night through Fox. Uh, saying that you know he was standing at the top of the square and he thought that it was going through as well. And then there was a, the wind, the wind, wind yeah. that had been sort of wreaking havoc down that end most of the night. And all of a sudden, that ball almost stopped. just stopped in yeah. the air, which was absolutely crazy. And then the premature ce- celebration and not so the shepherding, shepherding. Yeah, uh, it just sort of uh, left your heads head scratching. It would have been interesting too, though, if you actually see it. Buddy pushes a yes. port player right in the middle of the back. What the umpire would have done, yes. whether he'd got in the right spot, I'm not sure. I doubt it. Yep. Whether he would have had the courage to pay it, but you can pay that free kick because obviously it's yep. it's still an it's still an act of play. It doesn't matter the siren's gone. He's he's kicking for goal after siren. So yes, the free kick could have been paid for the blatant push in the back. Absolutely. So, yeah. From a Sydney point of view, let's go back to Sydney a little bit. Can they train for that? Or is that just a common sense that all your big guys are on the line and they're absolutely trying was, like anything to, to shepherd it through? As I said, you had three errors in the last two minutes, which shouldn't happen at mm-hmm. kids' footy, let alone at the league. Yep. It was quite bizarre. It was. Uh, and then both teams celebrating and not yeah. really knowing what was going on. It was just uh, one of those moments that oh. I think we're going to look back over the year and go, how did that happen and why did that happen? Um Mate, my other big surprise was probably the Monday uh, Easter Monday game with uh, Geelong and Hawthorne. Uh, not for the result. We yeah. sort of thought that Geelong yeah. were going to win, but 
gee, that third quarter was absolutely blistering. Well, fifteen goals. Uh, yeah, it was fifteen goals to one after half time. Yeah, no, that's, ten goals in that uh, third yeah, quarter. To nothing. That's yep. more. That's your normal country or amateur league game where one team. That dominates was probably the surprise and, yeah, for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a fair point. Look, probably. Um, Brisbane winning against Collingwood wasn't a surprise with Brisbane's record yep. up there. Um, Adelaide Adelaide here were, were always a good chance against yep. Frio. Western Bulldogs maybe a little bit against Richmond, but that was still an iffy game. My, my other one is yeah. probably St Kilda, and we, we've we've sort of said we, we half-rate St Kilda because they're playing well, but the injuries are what's going to cause yeah. them, and they continue to prove us wrong. <laughs> I think they've got a few guys now that, we're starting to notice uh, Chico. However you pronounce his first name, mm-hmm. I, I, hopefully he's just going to be he's going to be Mitchell and to make it easier. But yep. he, I, I saw his highlights tape. If anyone just wants to click yep. on and see his highlights tape of last weekend, it is wow. Yep, it's a couple of minutes and it's bloody special. Matthias uh, Filippo yep. uh, is another one yeah. again, and I want to talk about this a little bit with some of the players that, that the Crows have introduced this year uh, and last year a little bit as well. And 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 obviously um, North Melbourne with Sheasel, um, you know, these guys are coming in as a young recruit, ready and raring to go. And I'm wrapped for Matthias. I, I got a bit angry when people say there was a few accusations of him as a big head where the kid's not. He's just confident in his own ability. He's a, he's a ripper kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So, you know, justifiably, Sam, Sam and the Peter and all that should be absolutely, absolutely should right be chuffed. Yeah, you know, my my thing things with him. I've met him a few times. Couldn't say he's more been more polite, and I I rate him. I think he's a great kid, and yeah, he's he's first four rounds. He's been very very good. Uh, you look at North Melbourne with Harry Sheasel. Yeah, he's uh, been great. You look at Nick Dacos uh, from Collingwood. You look yeah. at um, uh, Rochelle from the Crows. Um, I did a little bit of fact-checking on Rochelle a little bit today because later on in our happy birthday segment, yep. it's his birthday this week. Yep. Um, he's uh, almost blowing his 2022 numbers out of the water in the first four or five games, yeah. which no, is just a really good progression for the young lad. And Saligo's got a bit Saligo, tougher as well. exactly right. So uh, whereas Port were there two years ago with Dersmer and, and yeah. Butters and, and Rosie, and, and Rosie um, so it's just interesting to see that teams that are giving these young guys great opportunity uh, are, are reaping the rewards. Yep, good point. All right, let's move on to this round, the gather round here in Adelaide. Now, in previous weeks, we've had to pick some uh, teams based upon home ground advantage. It's going to be an interesting one this week when it comes to a few of the toss-up games. So uh, we've got Thursday night, Adelaide v Carlton, a bit of a blockbuster really that it's turned into. It is a, a toss-the-coin job. Um, Carlton's record here is obviously poor. There's yeah. none for six. As a Redback supporter, I'd love to be none for six. <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah. um, uh, the head-to-head bet- for by then. But, the head-to-head yeah. betting's pretty close as well, yeah. which is quite interesting. And again, gamble responsibly. But yeah, I, I think both teams are in some reasonable form. I don't think Carlton are, are going to be um, uh, easy to to push over, and I don't think Adelaide are going to be in the same boat either. It should be a good game. Walsh is a big in. Like, let's not forget how good he is. And Guys normally are pretty good first up. It might be second or third up once their body's a little bit flat. received yep. a bit, but normally first up, and I expect him to come out and have a pretty big thing. I think Kennedy's a big in for him as well. Yep, and I, obviously McKay uh, with the uh, yeah, getting potential off. suspension at yeah, the tribunal. I, th- I thought he was. I thought he was a tad lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, bit of a 
Well, oh, it was wording, just dumb. Wording technicality, yeah, but, it was, but it was what he did was dumb. Yeah, I don't mind if he gets a game for. I don't get a game for being stupid. Like yep. it's, in terms, just don't get, don't get, do something dumb yep. and get yourself up there like it, it was. It was. Yeah, he's a little bit lucky in the end because the gradings. It's a toss of the coin. Absolutely. Started so, to hit him in the shoulder. Yeah, it slipped so up to the head. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, Fogarty tonight has been named for the Crows, yeah. which I think was an interesting in. I thought they might give him one more no, week. No, he's trained. But I think he's, he's trained, trained pretty a fair well. Bit. No, that so, in, I'm not happy personally that McHenry's been dropped. I, you know, as, as far as I'm concerned, I think he's an important part of Adelaide's rebuild. I would have had him in instead Better of Murphy. Uh, Murphy. Yep. I, I'm, well, I'm, truly. I, I agree on that one. Um, how does that work then with Thilthorpe? Oh, look, he'll play a bit of everywhere. Thilthorpe will. So will, will he? Will he take say that second ruck role? Yeah, he will as well. And he'll probably right be because Texas rucking in the forward, forward lines line, yeah. and is doing it reasonably well. So you yep. probably wouldn't change that. Um, so but, is he that more mobile no, ruckman around incre- the ground? He's, he's incredible yeah. mobile. Like I don't think there'd be anything wrong with throwing him to a wing. He's that mobile. Yep. As something okay, probably not a night game because it's going to be too dewy and yep. that sort of thing. It could be a touch but, camp. Um, he's got a. I think he can go a bit of everywhere. Okay, so there's so, a little bit of flexibility yeah, I there. Think so. All right, and then that obviously puts Fog Fogarty back into the forward line yeah. with uh, with Walker and then. Uh, I think Fogarty just can... basically takes Galant's spot, so I don't really see too much okay. being too different there. Okay, excellent. Uh, so who are we going for that one? The Crows or Carlton? I'll go. I'll go. For, I think Carlton's ins. I'll go. I'll go for Carlton. So. Uh, I'm going to have to go to the Blues myself as well. All right, we move on to the first game at Norwood Oval. Uh, 4.40 Friday afternoon, Frio v the Gold Coast Suns. I'll go uh, I'll go for the James Ash homecoming, keep his record intact, yet to play in a losing league game at Norwood Oval. Look, James Ash, let's quickly, 24 games for Norwood, 23 wins, two flags, one loss. That's ridiculous stats, and he gets to have a kick and a catch at the parade. The Ash family... Yeah, you know, be super fam, proud. Fam as most as famous as any family at Nord, obviously. Yep. So yeah, uh, the punters are uh, backing Frio to, to uh, make up for last week. I think most of them actually stayed here in Adelaide for yeah, the week. Did. So, yeah. um, so that that that's a good thing. Um, again, don't discount uh, the Gold Coast Suns, but playing at Nord Oval, I just think that the smaller boutique ground yeah, may no, just catch a few out. Yeah, and Jarab Witt. Is expected not to come up uh, uh, still for Gold Coast. So I think he, that's a pretty big out for them. Absolutely. And the second game on Friday night uh, is Richmond v Sydney. Real toss the coin. Yeah. Cost the coin. A lot of injuries at, at Richmond, obviously, with Lynch and Nancurvis both out for a considerable time. Mm-hmm. Um, Sydney, who were far from convincing last week. Well, do you think? Just going back to that, and I know we're talking about this week's game, but do you think that uh, Sydney played Port wrong by almost going to where Alia Alia was most of the time? A little but bit. Because it is a smaller ground, it does make it a little bit easier for for him to be in the right spots at the right time. I think I think Sydney have made a mistake that Buddy's gone one year too long. Um, but they also lost both McCartan, so yeah. let, let's not... Oh, I think if they hadn't lost that, hard. I reckon they probably yeah, they would probably have won. I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so do Sydney come up? Again, you're right, it is a toss of the coin. So Sydney v Richmond. I Richmond s- haven't been travelling no, massively well. I want to see both sides to see what have, see how they both come up. 
Um, at this stage, head says head says Richmond, tail says Sydney. The coin has been flipped. I'll go for it's landed on a head. I'll go Richmond. All right, Richmond it is. Uh, I got a feeling that Richmond might come out and have a blinder. So I think Sydney, just a couple of injuries down back, really leaves them a bit more vulnerable than what they would like to be. And Gould and Francis both failed fitness tests. So even who they were expected to, at least one of those yes. two were playing. Yep. So Warner's brother coming out. So, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a... a Wait and see on Make that shift one. there yeah, as well. Absolutely. All right, we move on to Saturday uh, up in the Adelaide Hills at uh, Mount Barker. Uh, Brisbane v North Melbourne. Got to go for Brisbane. I think uh, Brisbane are going to come to town and um, and look to enjoy their time up in the Adelaide Hills. But wouldn't you be absolutely hammering it if you were Clark, uh, Clarkson, which I'm sure he will. They've travelled twice this year, got whipped by Port, mm-hmm. Port, and lost to to Western Bulldogs. So two away games, yep. boys, two losses. This mob don't like travelling. You can almost hear Clarko going well, right into it. So It might be a little chilly up in the uh, Mount Barker it's region. Do you, tad wet. do you reckon that uh, he might uh, take the shirt off and do a lap again like he did uh, a couple of years ago at Hawthorne and just say, hey, boys, it's not that cold up here. We can, we can handle this. Uh, does the wet weather then sort of bring North Melbourne into it a little bit? I think so. Yeah. So you... Yeah, well, I think most of us will tip Brisbane, but yeah. It's, it's not a foregone conclusion. No, not at all. All right, then we move on to the uh, Saturday twi- uh, afternoon game at Adelaide Oval. Uh, Essendon v Melbourne. This is going to be a good hit out. Yeah, you, but I'll go again, uh, I'm going to go Melbourne as well. Yeah, yeah. I just think they're uh, building quite well. Yep. Yes, they were playing a depleted uh, West Coast last week, but uh, I think they're just starting to get things right. Yeah. And still no Gorn and doing what they're doing, which yeah. is. Mighty impressive. And then the uh, the big one, Saturday night, Port Adelaide v. the Bulldogs. Again, a toss-the-coin job. Mm. This case, I'll, I'll go the home side. I think the Bullies are going to cause an upset here. I don't worry. I'll be barracking for the Bulldogs, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. All right, I'm going to pick the Bulldogs yeah. on that one. You're going to pick yeah. Port Adelaide. Yeah. Uh, I just yeah, I just think they're going to come to town to play. hope so. Uh, again, wet weather might actually change yeah. that a little bit. So, um we're, we're doing this on a Wednesday night, yep. so we'll see how we go. All right, and then Sunday, Adelaide Oval, uh, early game, Geelong v the West Coast. Geelong. You'd have to say Geelong as well. Uh, West Coast are still... Uh, I wouldn't tip West Coast in an internal. <laughs> uh, they're just struggling to put... Yeah. Uh, but they found some young ones as well. So, And they were they were pretty competitive for, for Melbourne for a quarter and a bit last week. But, yeah, unfortunately, they're uh, going to fall by the wayside a little bit. Uh, second game at Norwood Oval, GWS v Hawthorne. I'll go GWS. I'll go GWS as well. Uh, and then to finish us off on Sunday Twilight, we've got Collingwood v St Kilda. This is going to be yeah, it should be a, good a game. belter of a game. Yeah, look, again, we're all underestimating St Kilda. I'll go Collingwood, but... Again, it's a toss of the coin, yeah. isn't it? So it's a, it's a great round at the home of football in I, South Australia. I had some banter uh, with a couple of mates of mine that we're going to the um, Carlton Adelaide game uh, tomorrow night or Thursday night, and uh, I did say that Carlton would beat the Crows and Collingwood would beat St Kilda and that'd put Carlton top. So, so I've got a little bit riding on yeah, it. So I'm fair. gonna I'm gonna back Collingwood as well. No, I just think Collingwood at the moment, uh, you know, they're building quite nicely. A couple of injuries again, just 
Yeah, the, hurting their, a few sides. Their lack the moment, of ruck, their lack of ruck stocks, but they actually had more scoring shots than Brisbane last week. Mm. They wasted the ball a bit, so. And St Kilda are getting a couple back, yeah. but they're not sort of saying that these guys are uh, going to be rushed straight in because no. the team's actually doing quite yeah. well. And Ross has uh, brought a different element to the St Kilda at the and moment. We've got to wait and see on the weather. A couple of people carrying on about Adelaide Oval. Hey, there's one thing about Adelaide Oval. It'll, Unless it's raining during that game, yep. the drainage is that good. Yep, you don't won't worry, even Don't notice. worry about Adelaide Oval. Absolutely. You probably will get more water out on the lawns out the front of the Adelaide Oval than yeah. you will actually on the Oval itself. All right, mate, we uh, we have a look at SNFL game uh, round two. We'll move on. Um, Sturt uh, touching up the legs at the parade on Thursday night. Yeah, we're just way too good. Really just a mile too good. I, th- um, I thought Nord's side pick was poor. We were way, Nord mm-hmm. were way too tall. Um, and yeah, Sturt, that was to their credit, yep. their smalls, uh, Stephen Slimman, kick, uh, kick five, superbly coached at Sapsar's level. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was good to Slimo and mucking around with him a bit after the game. Yep. By pure fluke, as I walked across, he was being interviewed. So yep. I reminded him of how well he, well, he, yep, he was he coached coach, as a junior. Yep. Um, yeah, so I, I think Sturt, as far Sturt were good. As far as my power rankings go, I think we talked about the Eagles and potentially North Adelaide being the top two, but I think Sturt now now, now has to be yeah, uh, in that conversation. Yep, no doubt about that. Um, uh, Adelaide defeating the um, West Adelaide side. Yeah, not what, surprising. Did what they had to. They yep. were down early, but you always thought they may well run over them, and that's exactly what. What happened? The surprise of the round was Central's beating North Adelaide. Yeah, that was a big upset. That was... I had to look that twice and refresh the screen twice on that one to make sure I was looking at the right round and the right game, and it was. Um, South Adelaide were mighty impressive. I did get to watch some of that game on TV. South Adelaide were mighty impressive against the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, again, it was at uh, Flinders University Stadium, so... Give the uh, home side a bit of a um, an advantage there, and Glenelg uh, beat Port Adelaide. Yeah, it did what they had to. It was close, like it was. I think the scores were tied away at three quarter time, yep. but then Glenelg kicked the last three goals of the game. Yep. So, yep. All right, and we move on to round three, which will be next week. Yeah, because yeah. obviously uh, this we week probably leave we it. will leave that one for yeah. tonight, and we'll cover that one next yep. week. Um, We'll move on to the soccer, mate. Australia in the ladies, yeah. uh, they beat uh, England 2-0 two, two this morning. Fantastic result. Uh, England's first loss, I think, in 30, 30 games, the ladies' side. And, yeah, Sam Kerr. Is she the, is she now in the conversation? Oh, definitely for, in the conversation. For the best yes. soccer-roo yes. representative yep. for Australia. Big time. Um Again, we take the male, the female yep, yep. side of it out. We, we're just looking at the player and her accomplishments. Is she in that conversation? Oh, if, very again, much so. I we think talk it's... about the Mount Rushmore of, of soccer players. Is she in those top four for Australia? I, I think she is. Yeah, I think she is. I think you've, I think it's uh, Tim Cale versus Sam Kerr. Yeah, Viduka, um, you know, around the mark. Mm-hmm. I think it was Leeds' teammate. Harry Kuehl. A couple and a few others of more recent times, but oh, geez, from what she's doing and and her oh, and it's consistent though. Yeah, that's the that's big, the all the time. Like, yep, she seems to score every time Chelsea have a big game. She seems to score, score big. Yep. Um. So look for consistency. She's up there. Big There's time. very rarely a bad game. Yep. 
Um, I have to put her in my conversation because I think that uh, she is not only revolutionising women's sport, but I think that she's showing that you know anybody at any level can uh, can do the job and and. Obviously, for Australia, it's fantastic. Uh, you and I are very much on the same page there. All right, no arguments, no uh, rule book rants no, tonight not, on that not, one. Not that one. All right, mate, we're going to take a quick break. We've uh, we've covered uh, quite a bit in the first segment. We're going to breeze through the second and third segments as quickly as we can. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. We move on to we'll continue with soccer. Adelaide United uh, still doing the job. Yeah. yeah, it was one one all against Sydney FC. Yeah, they they had two two shots cleared off the line in the first half, where really they should have scored on both. Uh, one of them, uh, I think, I'm trying to remember, it was Goodwin was just probably a little bit too cute instead of instead of just kicking the goal, try to place it and just could have hit it hard and mm-hmm. it's going to be a goal. So yeah, probably couple there and then yeah scored the goal but Sydney equalized late so yeah a little bit disappointed but they were due they were due and it was still a good result to oh, get, absolutely to get the, to get the point. still keeps uh, Adelaide United in yeah. second spot um, doesn't really change anything Adelaide playing Western United here on Sunday uh, 4:30 sure that'll be great thing for them to compete against what else is happening in Adelaide this round uh, again you would have yeah. You would have hoped to have scheduled that one yeah. either away or yeah, I think it should or been. at a later time slot. Uh, maybe that players could have watched the footy and maybe gone. But again, not every team's going to no. be at uh, the St Kilda um, uh, Collingwood game no. on the. On the um, and not everyone's seven. following following AFL, AFL but yeah. I, it probably would have made sense to have them as an away game. But ah oh well, that's okay. Uh, the more people are here, you never know. There might be some uh, AFL. Um, supporters who have them. actually come for a Saturday game and going, well, I'll stay for the yeah. Adelaide United on a Sunday. So, yeah, catch 22 there, and hopefully they fill Cooper Stadium there. Exactly. All right, SANFL results uh, for round SNFLW. seven. Yep. SANFLW. Uh, the Panthers uh, defeat the Eagles. Yeah, it was probably all, it was closer than what we all expected. Ten to eight. Yeah. One goal um, two to one wet, goal four. Wet. And playing at Norlunga, big ground for ladies footy. Um, so yeah, you, and that. So yeah, not not a great scoreline on paper, no. but yeah. South Adelaide did what they needed to do. Uh, Sturt, uh, I think they did well across all the grades yeah. on the weekend. Uh, Sturt defeating North Adelaide there, forty to twenty six. And Indy Rashid getting Sturt's best player, uh, of course, uh, daughter of Roger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you can expect her to go very high up in the draft when she becomes eligible in the next year or so. Absolutely. Uh, Norwood defeating the Tigers. Yeah, Glenelg have fallen away a little bit. I think injuries, injuries. Have, injuries have caught Wasn't up. Wasn't there a couple of knee injuries after round two? Yeah, that was the game I con- game I, I'd commentated yep. the yep. earlier game. And, yeah, two, two players did it with five minutes and they'd had one the week before. So I think, yeah, the troop numbers have caught up a bit there. Yeah. So. Uh, and understandable, and Nord obviously getting on a little bit of a run at the moment. Yeah, look, where Nord were on the premiership table probably wasn't a real reflection. There's seven points combined, losing margin for their first three, three rounds. Yeah. So probably not as big a surprise. And Nord have got a little bit of depth there where 
Um, congratulate. It'll be Nord versus South Adelaide, and the game is at Nord in the grand final in the Development League. Yep. Uh, next weekend, so fantastic. Yeah. And uh, just to finish out the SNFLW, there the Bulldogs had a huge win against the West Adelaide. Yeah, um, bit of a surprise that was. Probably more the margin, not the result, yeah. but yep. the margin. And uh, yeah, under Ben Hunt, the the bully, Bulldogs girls are uh, are going up, well. They're up and about at the moment. Um, yeah, ten 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 to two four. So, yeah. and that was obviously at West Adelaide. Very interesting that. Uh, uh, all the away teams actually beat all the home sides. Yeah. Which was... Doesn't uh, happen that doesn't often. happen very often at all. All right, mate, we move on uh, very, very quickly to the NRL NRL table. Some upcoming matches this weekend. We've got the Dolphins and the Rabbitohs, the Sharks and the Roosters, the Seagulls and the Storm, Warriors, Cowboys, Knight, Knights, Panthers, Titans, Broncos, Raiders, Dragons and the Eels and the Bulldogs. My big one is probably, um, bless you, uh, my big one is probably the Dolphins and the Rabbitohs. Yeah, the Dolphins. You know, New franchise, well. uh, the Rabbitohs. I have a bit of a soft spot for the Rabbitohs yep. because of obviously their history and how they were sort of taken out of the competition and fought their way back in. So I have a little bit of a, uh, a soft spot for them. Um, and that one's tomorrow night. Um, I'm actually looking forward to uh, catching up on some of the results on that one there. Yeah. And as far as the table goes, uh, the Broncos sitting top, Panthers second, Storm third, Dolphins fourth. So yeah. a win last weekend yep. has brought them back up again. Warriors, Titans, Roosters, Knights, and the Seagulls. Uh, sorry, the Knights um, rounding out the top eight. Yep. Seagulls, Rabbitohs, and the Sharks uh, nine, ten, and eleven, but only some. Uh, Point difference, one or two points between them. So it's going to be a very interesting round ahead for the NRL. Yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying following the Dolphins' fairy tale. You know, I'm not a huge NRL no. man. No, I admit that. But I, yeah, I, enjoying following in following where they how they're going. I do keep an eye on the NRL a little bit. One yep. for the Rabbitohs. Yep. Two this year for the Dolphins. Yep. But three, I actually. And a lot of people will go, you're crazy because you're from Adelaide. But the Melbourne Storm and how successful yeah. they have been yep. for a non-traditional football state, uh, I think just – and Craig Bellamy as well from a coaching point of yeah. view. Uh, just a fascinating case study of how you can make a team in a non-traditional just market in, work. In that, yeah, they're not a traditional rugby state, as you said. Correct. Yeah, it, they have been. It's just a fascinating, yeah, no, fascinating study. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, so definitely keep an eye on those ones there. All right, mate, we're going to take a quick break, but uh, when we come back, very, very special guest, a last-minute uh, recruit for our uh, past players, past legends, uh, Roger Woodcock. Yeah, we're apt to have Woody around. Look, there are a few people, and I'm getting messages, oh, too much Nord and all that. It's actually ironic. I've lined up people, a couple others lately, and then for various reasons they've had to pull out and – Obviously, that may well be my main contacts. Yeah, uh, falls back that way. So yeah, yep. yeah, that's okay. You're listening to the Game On podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Past players, past legends, past legends. Welcome aboard. We, uh, we uh, have pl- privileged to have Roger Woodcock on, uh, on our show tonight. 
Woody, the casual, 267 games, 602 goals, highest highest uh, non-goal-scoring, uh, non-full forward in, full forward in South Australian history. Welcome aboard, Woody. Thanks, guys. Thanks very much. Thanks, nice for, jo- thanks for joining us, mate. Um, we'll start off, where did you start playing your juniors? With a school footy or for a junior footy club? No, I never played for a junior footy club. I basically played for Norwood High School uh, right through my junior footy. And uh, oh, probably when I was doing leaving, I had a few games with the under-17s. that was back then. And then um, I think I just played the one sort of oh, half a dozen games. And then the following year, um, I went into under-19s because back then they had the, it was called Colts and the Thirds. So um, I had two years of... Um, yeah, under-19 footy before I, um, at the end of that season, uh, my second season in under-19s, I went up to the uh, reserves and then the league for the last couple of games. Who did you de- debut against? Sorry, what was that? Who, who did you debut debut against uh, for your first league game? My first league game was at the, the last two league games of 69 and I debuted against West Adelaide. And uh, With... I remember I was a skinny little... 19-year-old, and uh, there was a bloke coming back. I can't remember his first name, but he was a big mountain of a man, Hewitt, and he was coming back from about three weeks suspension from building a guy. So that was a good <laughs> intro. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, you debuted the same day as your great mate, the late Glenn Rosser? Yeah, we did. We um, we were both playing under-19s, and as you know, Glenn was from Port Elliot, yep. and uh, at Carmel Court in the, in the country, sort of um, boys are all staying there. So uh, Glenn and I were playing thirds together and then we uh, unexpectedly got promoted to reserves and then even more unexpectedly got promoted for the, to the league side the last two games. So, yeah, Glenn and I started off together. We had some great players come out of Nord High too, too Pete. Absolutely. You know, Roger Woodcock, Neil Craig, uh, Jim Teal, Danny Jenkins, Greg Turbill, David Palm, Malcolm Ashwood. So, yeah, there, there are some. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> you were waiting for that, weren't you, Woody? <laughs> yeah, no, there was some uh, good breeding ground. And as, as you'd expect, uh, the Nord High School, you know, quite close to the uh, Nord Oval, Nord District. So, uh, uh, you know, not even before, you know, in the 50s and 60s, there were some wonderful players that had come out of there for sure. The great breeding ground. and. And as you know, school footy back then was was very very strong, very strong. We still got to get around you, me, and you, me, and Bruce Winter with picking that best Nord High side. We still haven't done yet, Woody. So, um, so then you you debuted under under obviously Robert Odie. Robert Odie's yep. effect, you know, effect on you and and his emphasis on the skills. Yeah, look, he he was. He was an absolutely fantastic coach and, and probably ahead of his time. Some of our skill training under Robert was just fantastic. Um, you know, I was only used to sort of doing a bit of circle work. A lot of we all weren't doing that, a few run-throughs. But some of the skill work that Robert had for, the, uh, for us was just fantastic. And uh, he quickly developed skills of a lot of us, us young guys. Um, and I think, you know, that was uh, the forerunners of sort of – you know, a couple of premierships I was lucky enough to play in the seventies, but but Robert was instrumental in uh, in uh, he was he was a teacher by trade. He was a teacher of of football skills, and no doubt about that, he was a fantastic coach. I got a lot out of him, a lot of respect for for RO for sure. He certainly uh, resigned. What were again f- there at Norton? What was your first thoughts when a certain yeah you know, Phil Carmen arrived on the scene, Woody? 
<laughs> for a start, I just couldn't believe how fit yes. an individual could be. He was just unbelievably fit. And we thought we were, you know, reasonably fit, but he was twice as fit as us. He used to just run everywhere, every day. We'd, we'd, just, we'd just run when we had to, you know, when we go out of training. But where he was staying up in the Carmel Court, and I think that helped the Carmel Court boys too, because yeah. they all went out running with him and Craigie especially and those sort of guys. And uh, I think even Winnie used to go out running with him for probably about half a k, and then he uh, gave up. <laughs> it, was too, it was too hard. That was, that was he, a he was amazing. And as far as his footy ability, I, oh. I, I still think, you know, probably the well, I think he's probably one of the best footballers I've seen. Just his natural ability, but. You know, his, as we all know, his temperament probably uh, waned a bit. Put it this way, if he had a temperament like a Barry Robin or a Russell yeah. Edmund, he would have been right up there with them. Well, that's my that's always been my thoughts, Woody. I've always said Bill Carman is the only player I consider the equal of Barry Robin repure ability, but unfortunately white yep. line fever ruined that. I've always had that opinion. Yeah. And, and I, you know, looking back, I, I think he'd probably be a little bit disappointed with his but his whole career overall with what yeah. and what he did, he, he he should have, you know, with his fitness level and all that sort of gear, he should have been a 300-plus game player with all the accolades coming yeah. towards him. But unfortunately, I think his, uh, his temperament just got the better of him and uh, he just couldn't, couldn't help himself at times. He got himself into a, a lot of strife, unfortunately. That uh, Carmel Court crew that you talk about there, we, we've had um, uh, Winnie talk about, uh, the, the names that came out of there, did uh, did that help uh, you guys? Obviously, being the locals uh, and helping the, the country guys out through Carmel Court, there did it sort of create a bond that you know is unbreakable oh, it, at stages. Well, it certainly created a bond with the with all the country boys, and no mm. doubt about that. Um, you know, and, and maybe some of us city boys might have got a bit of our nose out of joint of you know a little bit, but uh, I know Glenn and I have had a bit of a talk about this you know, many years later sort of thing. And he, he felt that there was a little bit of, particularly in the in the juniors, I don't think it was an issue once you get into senior football, but I think when we were playing under-19s, there was a little bit of, oh, you know, he's from the country and he's getting looked after up in Carmel Court. Yeah. There might have been a, that bit, but I think once, you know, those guys got into senior football, that was never an issue at all, never. No, it was a good, it was a good establishment and it went for all those years and certainly... Uh, Put the best out of all those guys. Yeah, that was terrific. Run by, uh, well, Phil Carmen's mother for yes. many years. Yeah, yep. Aunt Annie. And, of course, you know, I scored for Kenzie as a, as a kid, Kenzie Cricket Club back then, and and it used to be a fabulous Phil, Neil Craig and Robert Odie training on the, on the hockey oval, and then if there were days when Ross Dillon was playing cricket for Kenzie, more of the guys would be out there. And you're right, it was just... Amazing! You just have your jaw on the floor watching Carmen and Craig. That they were the two fo- fittest footballers in the country, and they were both playing yeah. for us. Yeah, you know, it was incredible. And, and don't forget, Craig was probably only about fifteen then. Yes, oh, he was a f- incredible. Yeah, he was as well. about five years younger than uh, yeah. than the other, all the other boys staying there because he came down from you know York at, at fourteen or fifteen years of age. And, yeah, yeah. Pretty amazing. Phil Carmen actually even held athletic records at Pembroke for thirty odd years, and there's always been the comment made with people high up in athletics. We're not talking just an opinion of here and there that believed that Phil could have medalled in the decathlon in the, as a decathlete. So, 
We'll never know. Oh, yeah, I've, as well. yeah I've, I've no doubt of that because he could certainly leap and all do all those yeah. things. Yeah. Yep. Sure. So moving yeah. back, moving back to your career, mate. Uh, obviously de- debuted debuted in '69, uh, uh, 1970. How many games did you end up playing? Oh, I think I played most of them. Probably, uh, you know, at least maybe twenty. I don't, I don't really yep. know. And then, probably 20. And then obviously by uh, 1971, uh, leading goal kicker, mate. A mercurial left footer. Yeah, yeah. Got um, got a few goals that year in 70, 71. That was um, – and, and Nord were just – we were just under RO. We were just starting to, you know, take shape. And uh, we had a couple of you know, senior blokes like Winnie and those sort of guys yeah. that uh, certainly helped us. And, uh, you know, so we were just starting to gradually call our way up. We'd been bottom and – when RO took over in certainly '68, maybe yeah, maybe even '69 when I yeah. first began. But then, uh, you know, the next year we uh, we just got '97. I think '71 we got we drew with Port Adelaide down at Alberton, and that cost us uh, probably fourth spot by about yeah. less than a, less than a percent from if I can remember. Yeah, geez, a long time ago. So um, yeah, and so '72 then we played in a I think a semi final against Centrals. Um, yeah, so we were just starting to starting to move a bit, and we didn't have yeah. much luck in that final against North in '73, where you know, Walker no. Nigel Walk kicked out on the full and it hit yeah. the wall and rebounded straight to Barry Stringer. The free kick against Staz when he was in front for hanging on. You know, as you can see, I don't well, hold that, a grudge that, whatsoever either, would he? Yeah, yeah and, and I remember that ball bounced off the wall straight yeah. to Barry Stringer, and it should have been, you know, he should have had to go back and take yeah. a kick, but for some reason the umpire. Let it play on, and yeah, Staz got caught out a bit, and bang, and finally, but we went back to centre. Bloody siren went, and so we we're under a goal. Who knows what would have happened if we uh, played in the grand final? That you know, that and and who knows what would have happened, happened if, with, with with RO? Yeah. If we never what would have happened with RO because uh, you know I think the reason came out inability to win a premiership or something like that. I can't remember yeah. now, but I thought it was pretty harsh actually. But um, yeah, that. Certainly caused the ruckus, uh, the uh, second of uh, Robert Odie, that's for sure. And then the arrival of Bob Hammond, mate. Yeah, yeah, well, um, a bit <laughs> a bit chalk and cheese between Robert Odie yeah. and Robert Hammond. I mean, uh, uh, Robert, as I said before, was a, a pure teacher of the, the football skills where uh, Bob Hammond was more, he got the best out of us. He knew he, he had a side that had all the skills. And uh, by that time, Ross Dillon had joined us, so there's more experience. And also, I think Rodney Pope and Greg Rodney Nicholson Wilson. had joined yep. us. Yep. So all of a sudden, we've got a you know a few hundred game players uh, in there, and uh, and Bob knew that there was some plenty of skill there. He just needed to, I think, bring that extra bit out of us. And I think that's what Bob supplied. He he bought that extra ten or twenty percent, whatever you need to win finals. He certainly bought that out of. Uh, out of all of us guys. And, and my, I guess, my game changed under him. Um, you know, Robert Odie told me I was never to fly for an overhead mark. And so for five years, I never did. Yeah. Um, he said, your position's on the ground and all the other big guys, you know, fly for the yep. ball. We use yep. your kicking ability on the ground. But And I never used to chase a half-back flanker. If he wanted to wander off, I'd, I'd let him go. I'd wait for the turnover end. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, Woody. Easy one out of the back. <laughs> but you couldn't do that under Bob Hammond. No. no. 
if you you know if they had the ball and you didn't defend, you uh, you wouldn't last uh, wouldn't last long. So yeah, I, I I certainly changed. I went for more marks and all that sort of gear, and I think. Bob Hammond developed me into a yeah yeah I I agree a, a, be, a better a better player a more all round player as far as you know the def, my defensive side of the game I, I didn't have a defensive bone in my body for the first five years but that certainly changed under Bob Hammond it actually probably seventy five on to seventy five and I, I reckon the prelim final in terms of individual games in Nord Footy Club's history gets forgotten a little bit. Where Greg Turbull six goals in the seventy five pre- against Cunningham and Kale, yep, and best on ground by the length of the Fleming and Straight, people just still don't realise it with with Turbs either. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he was just so courageous, so gutsy. We all know that, but uh, we, we had some good success against Port in preliminary finals. Yes, uh, at the time that I played, it was at least. Three, I think we won um, against them in those, those those years. Yeah, two or three. But um, yeah, that, that would have hurt them. You know, the old rivalry, Northern Port, is uh, it's uh, it's fantastic. Still always a, has been, always will be. Yeah, I was about to say it's still as strong today as it ever has been. I think so. Yeah, and it's just different, the guys that come into the club, whether they're they're quite new, it doesn't take them long to to know the history about yeah. what you know Nord v Port is is all about. That's for sure. So in in that year, you lost your first two games, but then went on a bit of a winning streak of sixteen games. Yeah, that was um, that was nineteen seventy five. In fact, yeah. I actually probably knows this. That record probably still exists. The yes. most number of yeah, winning is. games at, at in a in a row for Nord, and particularly at Nord Oval. Mm-hmm. I think we I think that still stands. Yeah, and, I uh, think so. It got close under Bass with that, but I th- I, I think that's still the. I think it's still in front. I will double check that out. Actually, interestingly, yeah. we'll do that. That's that's why in like it, it's really interesting. We won all those games in, and including beating the Bays that year. It's, this is seventy five. Yeah, you know, the, my first premiership and you know, the club's first for as everyone knows twenty five years. And and we were quite uh, as a group. We were quite astounded that they were absolutely almost raging red hot favourites yeah. in the grand final, and and you know we'd beat them during the year. Sure, they smashed us in the second semi, but we still felt confident. You know, we 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 could handle them in in, in the grand final. So I, I just remember, and I don't know if people will know this, but in nineteen leading up to the grand final, all the all the stuff in the paper was all glenilled. Yeah, I, Photos, yeah. articles, everything. And that was that was done for a reason. Um, Bob Hammond and Wally Miller came to and said, right, there will be no interviews. Um, I was asked to go by by uh, on Barry Ian's show, you know, with Peter Plus. Yeah. And uh, on a Friday morning. No, that got ruled out. That got cancelled. So the only staged photo we have was Graham Dunstan sitting in Premier Don Dunstan's chair on the, I think it was a photo Saturday morning of the grand final. That was the only stage publicity shot of that whole week. And so um, every time you picked up a paper or heard the radio, it was all Glenel, Glenel, Glenel. And I know as a player, that was really pissing me off. And, that, yeah. <laughs> and that's what it was designed for. We, you know, we, we, we were sort of really, really motivated by by Bob Hammond, his his uh, the Friday night at his place before the grand final was just fantastic, really good. The way that he 
motivators. We we were so confident when we ran out. We knew it'd be a tough game, and, and in the end it was. It was only was it nine goals to seven goals or something. Nine, so nine goals, always, ten to seven goals, ten. Yep. Yeah, it was always going to be a a tough game with you know the defence on both sides were were pretty good and on top. So it was a dour game, but uh, we just knew we had the commitment to uh, to take. And I reckon they might have been a little bit complacent. I heard Cornsy mention that many years later that they might have. You know, just got a bit complacent, a bit ahead of themselves, and maybe that was due to all their publicity they got leading up to that week. It was just a matter of them running out and knocking us over like they did in the second semi. Yeah, I could never but, work. I could never work that out. Okay, Staz Staz had got injured in the prelim, so he was an important out. But we had won 16, 16 in a row, and I'm sitting there going, "This is a fifty-fifty yeah. game." Game, and the way it was created, you would have thought. That we were bottom and Glenelg were top. It was bizarre <laughs> how, how much they were favourites. And yeah. okay, we knew, we knew we were a good side. Oh bloody yeah, oath! They were too. They were yeah. too. So as you said, it's yeah, you know, all grand finals. We know they're fifty-fifty, and uh, that's been proven over the journeys quite often. The uh, the underdog gets up. Now, Pete, there was. I don't a... reckon we, we should never have been underdogs that day. No. Opinion. Yeah, I, I, as I said, I right. think it should have been a toss of the coin. Now, Pete, there was a very significant happening on, on that day, on that grand final. Would he kick one of his eight right foot goals in the grand final? <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, read it off hands. On the right foot. Mind you, Jimmy Lawson's right on my hammer. Only, yes. All I could do was throw it on my right foot. I couldn't do anything else. So I was a bit lucky, but we'll take it. Because there been were a bit many of, goals that day. It's we're been a bit goals. of a standard joke with Woody that every time I found <laughs> one of his right foot goals somewhere on YouTube or, or footy, I'd send it. No, no, I'd find uh, it and send it through to Woody, and he'd go, "Bloody hell, where did you find that?" And I'd go, "I think I've only got two to go now, Woody." You know, it became <laughs> like reckon, a homework assignment. Yep. Yeah, I reckon you've got four of them on on video somewhere. Actually, yeah, haven't you? So, yeah. <laughs> a bit like Kevin Bartlett's handball. There's not no, too many handballs. No, no. Uh, you, you mentioned that uh, you got together the Friday night before the grand final. Was that just a bit of a, a barbie and a get together for everybody to calm yeah, the nerves no, a bit? No, no, no. There was just the uh, just the twenty players. Yep, twenty players and a coach. Yep, and uh, yeah, the Friday night at, at Bob's place at Walkerville there, and uh, no, we went in his back room out there and. Uh, and uh, had our team meeting and who was doing what and who's standing who and got through all that and, and so on and so forth. And, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was very good. And from memory, I don't, we, we never did that too often. Yeah. But obviously being the first grand final we'd been in for 25 years, then Bob obviously thought it's pretty special and we need to really get focused. And, and we were anyway. You know, when you've got guys like Winnie and Dillo and those sort of senior players, yep. it, it was good. Yep, and afterwards, but yeah, you know, obviously relief, but just excitement. It was our first flag in twenty five. You know, as we said, in twenty five years. Just you, your memories of that of that night and that week, Woody. <laughs> well, it's a long time ago, Ash. You know. Yeah, uh, I know that. But, yeah, you know it's what I mean. A bit, bit hard to, I, I, can I just tell you one little story that it will stay with me until the time I fall off the perch? Is that. Um, my father saw the 1950 grand final at premiership yep and I, I was one month old and the next one he sees i'm playing in it yeah and he got down to the rooms and which i'm, I'm glad they let him in yep. and it was just unbelievable emotional with you know not real big huggers of woodcock family but this yeah. particular night and yeah. day was fantastic and i i still remember as young as neil craig was he's probably only 
19 or 20. Yeah, 19. He came he came up to the two of us and hugged us, and he looked at my dad and he said, we did it for you, Mr. Woody. Yeah. And I've never, ever forgotten that. I've often mentioned that to Craig. He can't remember saying it, but I've, I've never, never forgotten that. And then, you know, you go out and see, you know, my two brothers played in the 60s. Yeah. And not and you know hardly any success so you know they were pretty uh pretty emotional like we all were and then from memory i think we went back to walker's arms or somewhere for a tea and we didn't get back to north over about nine and then yeah you, you were there actually on the no, no, I, was, we, I was only 12 but my parents wouldn't let me go do you, do you think i've oh. still i've still got the you know i'll get over that and 1978 of all schools nord high Program a school camp in grand final week. Do, you, know, you think? Yeah, I'll, no. yeah, yeah, I haven't half still got a grudge over that one, Woody. <laughs> no way. Are you serious? Yeah, that's the only Nord flag I've never seen. Oh, oh my say, yeah. God. Wow. Got, it was in the Flinders, and when we won, I got thrown in this river and got up with a scarf, <laughs> holding the scarf above my head, obviously. And I do remember how freaking cold, cold it, was. it was. Yeah. Wow. But get, getting back to the, yes. the uh, after the, the seventy five up the club because the Redlegs club was in full swing then yeah because that got built on in whenever it was seventy seventy one or something so that was in full swing and you can imagine what that was like yeah. packed and and I remember uh, the crowd was well I don't know it must have been five thousand there in front of the Western Town filling half of Norwood Oval up it was yeah, it was an exciting time that's for sure then we move on so seventy six a little bit. Disappointing and and seven and seventy seven and then the build up for our centenary year in seventy eight, where we recruited pretty heavily, the argy yep. bargy over Brian Adamson. We eventually get him over the line and full credit to uh, the uh, Glenn McMahon and Wally and all that for that eventually happening because there were plenty of times when it didn't look like it had happened. And then through through you know. We get beaten in the final. Then again, yes, another prelim final where we beat Port. Um, yep. Through to the grand final. And just that day, as you know, we all 16, 15 to 14, 26. Any good Nord supporter remembers that to the nth degree. And every Sturt supporter yeah, will remind us of it. One point in mind. <laughs> yep. And even I still may have bought that up uh, last Friday night. Um <laughs> We, we, know, we might not be welcome at Sturt if we keep oh, on our way here, but hey, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I was only banter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, and we were lucky enough that Sturt kicked for goal ter- terribly, terribly yep. because they were an incredible side oh, that yeah. year. They only lost one one game against West Adelaide for the for the season. But, yeah, yeah. memories of that day as well, oh, we, and we could probably yeah, go look, on for look, that I, for ages. I, I, I still vividly remember that day, and I'll tell you why. Um, yeah, sure, we probably should have been 10 goal behind it yep. uh, whatever, but, you know, three-quarter time, and as a player, you don't remember too much of what coaches say or anything yep. like that over your period. Of, but to this day, actually, that, and I think I've talked to you about this, that, that rev up that Bob Hammond gave us at three-quarter yeah. time was absolutely instrumental in us getting over the line and 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 i won't forget it because you know we're five goals down mm. you know just hanging around sort of you know they, they were helping us by their bad kicking yep. and i remember going into the you know the, the, the uh, three-quarter time yep. and and hamo strode strode out and he 
he just looked at all of us. He went a 360 circle and he said, if, if any guy here thinks that we cannot win this game, then F off sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Oh, straight away, he's uh, he's got our attention. And then he just he went on about how fit we were. They're unfit. Look at them all with their – he reeled off half a dozen guys, had yep. their socks down. Uh, we will – and he said – and I remember this. He said, when we kick the first three goals – not not if. When we kick the first three goals, we'll run over the top of these bars. Da, 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 da. Yep. Well, out we – and then I reckon when we went out, I reckon there were 21 guys that thought we could win that. Yep. That's 20 players and, uh, and, and Bob. Yep. And we kicked those first three goals. All of a sudden – Game on. We're only two behind. Yeah. And what a lot of people don't don't remember is that we kicked seven goal five that last quarter. Yeah, we, and we actually hit we the front. Home. Yeah, we hit we the front. Er- we hit the yeah. front a reasonable way out, and then we missed a couple where we yeah. could have easily gone seven seven a couple of goals up, and we actually might and, have ended up running running right away. But yeah, we oh, did no, run. Yeah, we, we, we did run all over them. Yeah, we, we, we just proved that we were we were pretty fit that day. And uh, once again, I think another side would probably might have been a bit complacent and their bad kicking certainly helped us. But, um, yeah, we, we uh, you know, everyone goes on about that, the mark that was given to Gags. But, you know, we, we ran over the top of that. And you you mentioned before about Brian Adamson. You know, he might have only played for us for one and a half yeah. seasons. But, wow, what a game he played. Yeah. Senna forward, five goals. Five just goals. outstanding. He was fantastic. I reckon there's another thing there, that another part of that day, which isn't really known, and we can be probably still a little bit careful about it, but a certain Sturt player may have kept Michael Kingo-Taylor waiting for over an hour down on a farm as captain, and Kingo to, the, Kingo to this day still had... He, it's probably Ed Steam out of his ears, and if, <laughs> if, there, if there was the Jack Odie medal back then, Kingo wins it, in 78 and 80, with, without a doubt. You know, and yeah, Baggy, yeah. Baggy didn't help himself with that big time. No, no, he certainly uh, he certainly got King out a bit rolled up oh. to sort of, uh, you know, to, to have a photo taken, then you've got to walk a bloody kilometre out to his tractor on the farm. Yeah, King, I wasn't impressed. Oh. We're not impressed. And uh, he's... He's still dirty to this day. <laughs> and it takes a fair bit to rile, King O, too, just quietly. So, yeah. Uh, yes. Amazing. Yes. So, hey, can we can we just back up a little bit to yeah. uh, 77? Hang on, Mark, can I hardly hear you. Sorry. That's it. Yep, got you. Um, yeah. Can we back up a little bit to um, 78, where you pumped uh, Carlton by 106 points? What a great night that was, too. Yeah, that's... Um... Considering Carlton really... are coming to town this week, so I thought I'd chuck that one in. Yeah. And I'm a Blues supporter, yeah. so I want to hear what you guys uh, did to uh, Carlton in '78. Uh, yeah, that was uh, and uh, Nord Oval full. Yeah. Oh, that was about. There must have been fifteen thousand there yeah. on a. I don't know what night it was. I think it was a week night actually. Yeah, Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Yeah, Tuesday night, and see, and and uh, one of the things that we did. <laughs> yeah, that was a. No, that was a. Actually, when would we? You, you yeah, we know, when would we put the uh, stuff under their eyes? Is that the art of? Yeah, stuff? yeah, that was then. And oh I no, read... no, what? We, yeah, no, what we did with the swap Carlton, the numbers. We changed our, yes, we changed our numbers. Yes. So all the forward line, oh. six of us in the forward line, we all swapped our Guernseys because we knew that we knew that Carlton would just memorise. Uh, they'd go number ten, Woodcock, left footer, da da da. Oh, but I was wearing brilliant. number. 
I reckon you were nine. I reckon nine or eleven. Yeah. You were either war. I know. Yeah, I, think it was it was nine, I think it was nine. Yeah. Nine or eleven. Yeah. And Brilliant then, tactic. Uh, you know, Winnie was another number, and I can't even remember the numbers now. But all six of us changed it, and also as a first bounce, we all six of us gathered at centre half forward. We didn't go to the six spots that you had back then. We all just gathered at centre half forward, and then when the ball was bounced, we uh, we went our separate ways. And I think the ball was. We, we got the first centre bounce, and yeah, when he kicked the point, he should have got the goal, but that would have been a good start. But so they didn't really know what was going on for probably a quarter. I still love the commentary in that wow. game too, where you know, no, can't you miss that. I still love the commentary in that game too, where Nord taking it right up to Carlton, and then uh, and Neil Curley goes, "Of course they are, they're a good side." <laughs> and then when we're about fifteen goals up the last quarter, Curl just suddenly goes, "Nord still taking it right up to Carlton." <laughs> <laughs> we were we were ten up at half time. Yeah, we absolutely creamed them. And then I think the forgotten premiership to some extent at Nord was the night premiership where where we beat East Perth and all that. And that David Armour, Ross Glenn Denning, uh Kelly, yeah. McCowcheck, they had Melrose, they had a very strong side and that was a great game yeah. that night. Trevor yeah, Sapwell's yeah. finest hour. Yeah, they did have a good side, didn't they? I remember those names. Yeah, Glenn Denny, and he was a bloody big man. Yep. Yeah, you know, they, they, were, they were good wins against interstate side like that. Yeah, yep. And then we moved yeah. through to 1980 and uh, 80 where we, we we came through and, geez, we nearly pinched it against one of the great mm. port sides. Let, let's not forget how good that port side, port side was with... You know, Mark yep. Williams, Greg Phillips, Tim Evans, like that, a really strong spine. And Kingo, to Russell's credit too, Russell admit, admitted that was the biggest pants-down job he ever got in his career where Kingo was just incredible that day. And yeah. we very yeah. nearly got over the line against one of, as well, I said, a great port side. If we'd, if we'd had Hugo Colasanti, yes. we yes. would have won that. Yeah, I've no doubt he he was an outstanding ruck that year, and then he uh, sliced his finger off a week work. before the grand yeah. final. It worked, work excellent. So we went in with very very depleted uh, ruck, and he was just had a great year, and he would have carried the rucks for us. And I've got no doubt that we, I reckon we would have just about won that. And I remember that 1980 was the first year that Channel Two televised it nationally, and. And it was a really good game of footy too. Yeah. I mean, we we got to four points, twenty minute mark of the last quarter, yeah. but just but it was a bloody hot day. It was about twenty nine degrees, and we'd and we'd come from fifth. Yes. So we were we were cooked a little bit, and they just had a bit more juice than us in the end. So, uh, but yeah, it was a pretty good game of footy though. And was uh, that the first year that Neil Barmer arrived? Yep. Correct. So it was. Yep. Yep. And and when he arrived, we'd lost our first five or six games. Yeah. And we thought, oh shit, you know, this is going to be a bloody long year. And uh, anyway, we started to string a few together, and I think it might have been the second or last game we snuck into the snuck into the five. So we uh, went from fifth to almost uh, almost first, but not quite, not quite. Yeah, so yeah was, that was Barmy's first year. Yeah, we beat Torrens uh, in the elimination. I think the first semi, and then Port in the prelim. First semi, struggling. I'm embarrassed, Woody, on this one. I remember who we beat we've in the first stumped, semi. We've stumped yeah. you. I'm not happy with myself. We'll have to look that one up. Yeah. 
and and you know, obviously Neil Baum coming to the club there. You know, what yep. what did uh, what did he bring um, compared to to Bobby Hammond? Well, it was a bit. Um, it was quite refreshing actually, because uh, you know Bob's Bob's a really tough, really hard taskmaster, and uh, you know you didn't get a lot of. Um, a lot, of, a lot of praise for Bob. You're expected to do your, your job and all that sort of gear. And when when Barmy came, he uh, he was just so enthusiastic. You know, being a young 27, 28 year old coach, he was really, really enthusiastic uh, with, with the the caper, and uh, he had a lot to learn. He admitted that himself. Um, but when he said, uh, "We'll teach you," <laughs> Glenelg in the first and, uh, semi too. But, but he was a fantastic bloke and just uh, had a. a, a Incredible presence about him, but um, he just um, enjoyed the way we were playing, and uh, he encouraged that. And he was very enthusiastic with his with his praise for for guys, and if they did a good job. Whereas uh, you know, Bob was a bit the opposite. So that was a refreshing sort of change of coaching style. Um, but I think he might have been a bit on the uh, I won't say soft side, but a bit. Uh, he could have been a bit harder on yeah. on players, and maybe a few players took a few liberties. But I think he, and actually, you know better than that because I'd finished by eighty-one. I think he toughened up actually and started to, you know, to be a bit harder on players and, and get the, get the best out of. Mind you, he he just he loved to give a serve. I got on the end of one of his sprays half time. That's for sure. Barmy so admit, Barmy admits that himself. He, he and I said, I've spoken about it at length with him and. He said, yeah, but, you know, that was me. My strength was probably my weakness as well. So Barmy was always very open yeah, but that's, and honest that's about that That's human nature well. too, yeah. that when you come yeah. into a new environment, you don't want to upset too many people too soon. But once you start to get into it a bit, then you can uh, let rip, as you said. Yeah, yeah. No, he he, he was um, – and, and as, as you know, he knows him. But he was just a terrific bloke. And uh, every time he just loves Norwood. Yes. He can't wait to get back. When he comes back to Adelaide, he just loves getting out to Norwood. It's great to see him. No, he's uh, we've seen him a few times actually over the yes. last couple of years with yeah. Hall of Fame stuff when he got inducted the Hall of Fame and all that. He was just gobsmacked. Oh, he's over. very firm in pointing out that Nords is his club, even spiritual home. Yeah, even interviewing him in Melbourne with the Adelaide Uni yeah. function a few weeks ago, and he had Richmond faithful there. They were sort of yep. a few of them were a bit dumbfounded. With said one of the one of the guys came up and said, "Geez, I didn't realise he had such a connection to Nord." And that, and I thought that was quite an interesting comment coming from a Richmond fanatic that he'd actually picked it up. That you know, there I, I am probably knowing obviously Barmy's and he and heard Barmy and spoken about it at length with him over the years. To, and to hear someone else go, and I thought, geez, he Barmy, you know, so he is firm. And then let's go to eighty one. Look, abs- one of my favourite memories is you kicking your six hundredth goal. And uh, Rich, and Cochran, Billy Cochran, shaking your hand. I thought it was great sportsmanship as you'd taken the mark in front of him at the parade yep. end. You were actually at full forward virtually at that stage, Woody. Very, one of the very few times yeah. in your career. <laughs> yeah. Mind you, I, um, I got dropped the following week. Yeah, but we won't mention that. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I just thought no, 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 no. it was great. You kick your 600th, the roar from the crowd – you can tell you were emotional about it on the ground too, and so you bloody should have been. It, it, it is one of the great highlights as a Nord man. You know? And let's not forget, we will come back to that, we do have an end called the Roger Woodcock end at Nord Oval, mm-hmm. and I don't think you can get two bigger compliments more than that, and I know how much that means to you, Woody, and the Woodcock yep. family. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was I was pretty blown away a few years ago when the, the president and the board sort of bestowed that on upon me, and I, I just um, didn't think I deserved that or was worthy of that. But um, yeah, I was very humbled by it, and I was very shocked by it. There's no doubt about that. And, and I and going on with that, Ashley, I've been trying to lobby to the club that the northern end, the southern end, should be named the Bruce Shilton because yes. he's yep. the greatest yep. kicker in the Norwood Footy Club. And 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 obviously, and he was inducted into the Hall of Fame yep. uh, last year. So, um, and I know that James Fantasia is keen to sort of do that. I mean, there's so much happening at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, but I'm sure that that will happen. That the southern end will be the Bruce Schultz end. So you'll have the two biggest goal kickers in the Norwood Footy Club, whose ends are named after them. So, and, and, and so, so it should be. be. Yeah, I agree. I don't. Maybe I. I might be wrong, but I don't think. I don't think 600 goals is going to be, um, and Bruce kicked 669. I don't think that's going to be in, in today's modern no, SNFL footy. No. The, the guys aren't going to last long enough. No, no way in the goals, world. No, I reckon you're very safe. One. I reckon you you are very yeah. safe with that one, Woody. And if someone does that, well, that's fantastic. But I think uh, in today's footy, I think it's those two, those two goal kicking records will probably stay in order. I would think. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm really hoping that the, the club, and I'm sure they will eventually get round to it and do the Bruce Schultz uh, end of the southern southern end. Were, the were you happy to get your 600 at, at the parade? Oh yeah, definitely. Oh definitely. I I, I didn't I didn't think because um, I was, I, was str- I must admit I was struggling that final year. I had uh, a bit of injury, a bit of illness, um, couldn't get a kick. And I was on the bench that day for the, that was the second last minor round yeah, game. Second, yeah. I was on the bench and I, I got on and luckily I kicked that, uh, kicked that goal. And then, um, yeah, I got, uh, I got dropped to my final game in 81 uh, of the minor round was in the uh, in reserves against Port down at um, Footy Park. Yep. So I sat up there watching the, the game and I think and the boys got up. But uh, Peter Lachlan rolled his ankle. Yes, anyway. that's right. I was trying to think who but, got injured. Yeah. Yep. And I didn't think too much of that. I thought, well, my career is... Because I was sort of probably going to give it away at the end of 81. And, you know, he rolled his ankle. I didn't think too much about it. Anyway, uh, I thought, well, I played my last game uh, for the club in the twos, unfortunately. Anyway, Sunday night, Barmy rings me up and said, uh, you're going to be in the... Uh, in the league side on Saturday against Westies. Yep. Oh shit. Well, on the uh, on the bench, he said, "No, I'm going to play you in the starting 18 because of your finals experience." So, you know, I played 24 yep. finals or something. Yep. So he's he given me a rev up. I trained the house <laughs> down in the, the week, and uh, I remember this. We I'd kick. I think I kicked one goal through the first quarter, and I hit the post. I thought, oh. I'll, I'll, I'll snag a few today, and that'll put the pressure on the selectors because we were going to win by ten, which we, yep. which we did. Anyway, I uh, snapped the cruise in the second quarter, yeah. and game over. Yeah, right and, in front of the uh, scoreboard, and career over. Mm. But uh, that's footy, and uh, yeah, and I remember sitting up there watching the boys in the eighty-one preliminary final playing against Glenelg when the wind changed. Yeah, and the Bays had it for three quarters because they go on and uh, play Port Adelaide in the. Yeah. Grand final. And Woody, so, uh, 
Woody, yep. you've always been a part of Norwood Footy Club um, since you've retired as well. You've know, been on commu- past player committee and and now a big part of the history committee. Always appreciate the photos you send through very quickly when I am writing an article. Uh, and that, you know, give, go through you just to inform people of your involvement and probably explains a bit more your huge Nord connection. With the, with the history group? Yeah, and just since, you know, yeah, since... I'm just, I'm just losing you a bit there. I think, yeah, look, um, we, we started the history group and, and Michael Colling was a big instigator of it. And um, he went to Wally Miller and, and Wally sort of got the committee up and running and so that was about 2010 from memory something like that and um yeah i think michael asked me in probably that year but we had about a half a dozen that started the history group committee which wally was really really wrapped in to uh you know to try and uh, keep all the memorabilia and uh and and everything like that that goes in with organize a, a history group and we preserved a lot of the stuff. And uh, um, so that was 2010. And we've just grown, as you well know, actually into a probably one of the best history groups of the SNFL. Yep. And I think our website would yes. be it's the, the best, best history website in the SNFL. Oh, keep going. Not uh, just SNFL. Keep going, Woody, on that one. Hang on, I can hardly hear you, mate. Keep going, not just SNFL, Woody. I, I, you know, Luke Reynolds, who I've got a lot of time for, is a big, he's a big Collingwood man. But don't hold that against him, but he's very firm that the Nord site is the best footy site in Australia, and there are, you know, people around the traps do enforce that. Real footy people say how good, and full credit to you guys of how good the site is. Um. There's plenty of people around who, who consider the Nord website the best football website in the country. So it's something all you guys on the history committee, Winton, Walshy, et cetera, et cetera, you guys should be immensely proud of. Yeah, yeah, we are. I mean, uh, that that website that we developed about five or six years ago, and a lot of credit to uh, Anthony Harvey. Yeah, Sir Anthony He's, Harvey uh, was fantastic. Yeah, 90, yeah, 97 Premiership aside, and that's his that's his go. And when we went and saw him, and he put all this together, and that's just and it's just grown and grown and grown with all the information. Like we've got, it's fifteen hundred guys have played league footy for Nord, and we've got photos for about fourteen hundred of them. Yeah, and I reckon we've got profiles for about nearly a thousand thousand footballers that the the guys have done work on research right. and all that sort of gear. So. It's a significant, uh, you know, piece of work, and uh, and it's getting better, and uh, we're starting to put some action photos in, and now this is all, as you know, actually leading up to hopefully getting a museum and yeah. and, and getting some of our memorabilia out on display, and uh, that's happening as we uh, as we speak now. We're trying to develop a sort of a small type museum under the Western Stand, yes. and that'll be a forerunner to win. And hopefully the uh, the club acquire the RSL as a big cultural and learning centre, and the and the a bigger museum will be uh, be developed in there. So that's the plans of the of James Fantasia and the board. So uh, stay tuned in the next probably couple of years, and the, that'll uh, that'll work out hopefully. That'll be fantastic. So um, should be good. Now, did I read somewhere that you're a keen cricketer as well? Electric light cricketer, one of the famous names yeah. in 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 South Australia, in electric light cricket. Woody, yep. rec- yeah, and I reckon it 
I think it finished in about 2005. So I had a, you know, 40 odd years, 45 years playing electrolyte cricket, and that was huge back in the 70s. And then it sort of fell away when indoor cricket came in. Yeah. Public liability insurance came in, and uh, young kids wanted to. They were more in, interested in bowling uh, overarm with a part of ball than bowling underarm with a tennis ball. <laughs> the electric like cricket had. So, uh, yeah, but that was that was good fun. And uh, but you know we couldn't get any young kids involved. So eventually uh, we couldn't get teams. And eventually uh, there weren't enough teams to make it viable to continue in the early two thousands. Did Did I also re- read that uh, a famous uh, sportsman who we've actually interviewed on this show? Mr. 159 uh, participated in, in that yes. uh, series. Wayne Phillips certainly played a lot of electric light cricket. Talking no, about I, flip, I, Flipper, played electric light cricket. It was a, a big part of it. Uh, Woody, now you are uh, play golf at Tea Tree Gully? Yep. Yeah, I've been a member up there uh, oh, nearly 50 years. That shows how old I'm getting. And, uh, yeah, that's a passion of mine. Um, uh, I used to get... A bit angry and a bit frustrated, like every golfer does. But uh, I've uh, I must be getting mature now, mate. I don't get as angry anymore because I just realise I just realise I'm a you know 15 handicapper and that'll do me. We've got to play 15 or 20 bad shots around. I've got to accept it. Nah, I, couldn't, I couldn't accept it 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Fair enough. Now, Woody, you be you're one of the South Australian greats, the leading half forward flanker in South Australian footy history. Absolute privilege to have you on the show tonight, Woody, and uh, all the best. All the best, and uh, I've got a feeling that the scoreboard this weekend may be barracking for James Ace, just a tad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. No, I've enjoyed it, boys, and uh, thanks for the invite. And uh, we'll catch you around you at the club, actually. No worries. Definitely. Thanks, Woody. Thank you. Okay. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. We've just been speaking to Roger Woodcock, and uh, you know that that period through the uh, mid seventies uh, was not only a, uh, a, a bouncing around time for him, and but the Nord Footy Club really rose from the ashes and, and scored a very very good win. I and just wrapped to have Woody Woody on the show. You know the smooth skills, beautiful kick onto that left foot, or the textbook kick. You know. Might have been where Woody Woody actually stands reasonably close to the scoreboard, and we may yell out as someone misses a goal, get Woodcock on, and you know get him out of the wheelchair and out there to kick the goal. Yep. But yeah, and look, a huge amount of respect for Woody as a person as well. Absolutely, he's still heavily involved at Nord Nord on the history committee and past players wise and all that thing. Now nah, he, he's a great he's a great football SNFL. Man. Absolutely, and we did touch on that during the interview that uh, he is involved uh, with the history committee, and, and rightly so. That uh, it's starting to get the accolades not only from here within South Australia, but there's uh, other states that are taking notice of what Nord are doing with their uh, the their history League, committee. Yeah, and the Redlegs Museum, and Woody mentioned uh, Anthony Harvey's uh, influence, Sir Anthony the captain from 97 when Macca was suspended and Haas has been, been great with that and set a lot of things up and it, yeah it is as Luke Reynolds the great man uh, refers to it, it's a lesson for every other club and he's a big Collingwood man and he goes on the Nord site just because he thinks it's a great site yep. enjoys looking through things. Someone that supports the black and white doesn't doesn't mind a bit of red and blue that's uh, that's unusual. Yeah, you may 
Maybe a little bit of influence this way. <laughs> but we thank him for listening, of yes. course, and uh, giving some feedback uh, as we uh, we post our episodes as well. All right, mate, let's move on to Happy Days. Happy Days. We wish a happy birthday to Josh Rochelle, Adelaide star forward, current star forward at the moment, drafted in 2022, played 13 games in his first year, including 17 goals, kicked five against Frio in round one. <laughs> Welcome to the AFL, young Josh. Yeah, and him and, uh, you know, he's forming a pretty lethal partnership oh, him with and Rankin, Rankin together, oh. and Texas influence to showing him where to go and all that, mm-hmm. and yeah, look, he's he's got a lot to offer. Uh, Rochelle and, and Rankin, I think that's going to be two peas in the pod for a long, long time for the Crows. And, gee, aren't they combining well at the moment? And every time you see them out and about, they're together. And whenever you see them, you know, walking out, of the, they're together. So certainly um, forming some strong bonds there. But um, uh, we did mention a little bit earlier on that his stats for uh, 2023 are starting to eclipse his 22 yeah. 22 stats already after four or five games that uh, he's up there. Yeah, his body let him down a bit last year, so probably that that real another preseason. Um, and don't there's a few of the North staff are big on Saligo as mm-hmm. well. Now I think Saligo was more than lucky to be playing this next game. Yep, where I thought Michael Christian chose the soft option yes. in terms of and the way the way the wording's done on that, it doesn't really cover deliberate touching of an yep. umpire. There's a bit of a foot of a of a slip through the crack yep. there and I'm sure there there'll be They'll um, tighten that up a little bit. Let's just say I know there's some umpires who aren't happy with that he's just received a fine. Mm-hmm. Um so I think yes, of course we know it wasn't demonstrative and yeah you know, and all that. But since Adam and Eve have been sharing apples, you mm-hmm. can't touch an umpire. Absolutely. So, it, you know, I think he's more, he is lucky. I did see another one that uh, had the uh, umpire behind the goals and the backmen were actually almost pushing the umpire yes. out of the way. So, yeah, that's going to be very yeah, interesting. you got to be careful. Absolutely. All right, we move on. Uh, yep. 2002 golf, the 66th US Masters <laughs> tournament at Augusta National. Tiger Woods becomes the third player to claim back-to-back Masters Three strokes ahead of Retief Goosen of South Africa. It was certainly that patch and time there oh, where he was, where he was done real, and we all thought he's just going to write every rewrite every single golf record in history, and mm-hmm. then he's off ground, off uh, off course, off course yes. record, and uh, sort of messed him up a little yeah, bit. Yes. Messed up those records for yeah. sure. Uh, obviously playing this week, but had to pull out. Uh, after second round, I think it was, uh, just struggling to walk the course, obviously yeah. up and up and down as well. So, um, but yeah, you're right. He was an absolute star during that time. All right, we move on. 2013. Uh, we're sticking with the golf because yep. obviously the golf was quite Augusta. topical this week. Yep. Uh, the 77th U.S. Masters, obviously at Augusta. Uh, Adam Scott wins his first major title and becomes the first Australian Masters champion with a two-hole sudden death playoff against. Uh, on uh, Angel Cabrera, I admit Augusta's easily my favourite golf tournament. Oh, I, I think it's it's the history. I love the broadcast. I love the commentating with it. Mm-hmm. The you know the water, the course. You know, it's the one golf tournament where I've got no qualms at getting up at four o'clock in the morning and to watch. watch. It. Um, 
So yeah. Do, do you do you put that on your? Uh, I mean, you're going to say yes to this, but do you put that on your uh, all time bucket list of stadiums to visit, or, or sporting venues to visit? Um, possibly, probably Lords in front. Well, that that's Lords. this is what I was going to lead yeah. into. What would be in your in your list if you if you had to choose a couple of that you that you definitely wanted to go to? Lords, Manchester with cricket grounds. Loftus Road as a QPR man with soccer, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I admit that. Yep. Um, so, but Augusta, in terms of yeah, it's certainly. I think it's, it's the up, home it's of golf. There, really, yeah. you really think about. It. Uh, that's why I, I was nearly going to say Lords, and I, you led led me to yep. it. Uh, for me, it would have to be certainly uh, Lords, Wimbledon, um, uh, Augusta. I have been to Fenway Park. Absolutely love the Red Sox, and that was just a dream come true. Um, Chelsea would be fantastic to go to. Um, so yeah, there's certainly a few grounds out there, and we might actually put a post up on on our uh, Facebook page this week and see if we can get some interaction there from some of our listeners to some of your favourite grounds that you'd like to visit. Yeah, so yep, we might definitely. do that. All right, we move on. Cricket 1986. Viv Richards, uh, a century of 56 balls against England. Yeah, look, you know, Richards and Gilchrist were probably the two uh, in terms Your of master just, blasters. Yeah, bashing absolute, demoralising and bashing crap out of the opposition. And of course, the famous story of Viv in a in a county game playing and missing the bowler. Yeah, and this can't you can't you see it and all that. Mm-hmm. Plays and misses again and tells him it's red and and yep. that and then. He uh, hits the next ball out of the ground and Viv turned, well, you know what it looks like, go fetch it. (laughs) I like that story. That's an absolute beauty. Uh, We'll save that one for later. Uh, And we finish off with basketball. Uh, The NBA playoffs or play-ins at the moment are um, are gearing up in the US. Uh, The Los Angeles Clippers overcome an NBA record of a 31-point deficit to score an improbable 135 to 131 game two playoff victory over the Golden State Warriors in Oakland. Shooting guard Lou Williams with 36 points. Yeah, it just isn't it amazing that yeah. we we talked about it a couple of weeks yeah. ago with some of the footy stuff that that teams can get on such a roll that you know they can come back from huge deficits and is it a case of almost not trying as hard to 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 score and all of a sudden things just start to flow? Yeah. It, can work that way sometimes. It's just you know, um, we we talked about with Roger yeah. Woodcock the uh, the Sturt Grand Final where um, uh, Sturt inaccuracy let Norwood yep. into it. We're seeing that in the AFL a little bit this year that teams that are not putting teams away early that are just keeping them in it are, are getting burnt on the uh, on the turnaround. Uh, it's just amazing how teams can can do that. All right, yeah. let's scoot into yep. the extra time big finish. Yep. Extra time. All right, mate, I've left concussion on the agenda only because of the tribunal this week. Uh, Once again, uh, we had Harry McKay with the uh, bump, push, arms protecting against Harry Sheasel. Um, Very, very interesting that it's, you know, a silly decision that's going to cost players games. Then we had the... uh, Fr- uh, the Monday game uh, between um, Geelong and Hawthorne where there were two perceived sling tackles. Yeah, uh, I, I can't work out out of that one. Yeah, one I, was two and one was one. Yeah, game. and I would have thought they both should have been two. Yep. 
Um, I can't work out how Christian graded Geelong player slightly. Uh, Rowan. Rowan. Rowan, yep. yep. Gary Rowan. How he graded that slightly less had me blow because it looked really the other way around. Yeah, the tackling motion, he was almost lifted off the ground and his momentum carried him obviously around. The other one was a little bit more the arms were pinned, uh, whereas Rowan's one, the, the Hawthorne player got his arm yeah. out. So, uh, again, it gets down to that grading. Yeah. You know, is it is it on uh, overall what happens to the player afterwards or not? I, I <laughs> and this admit, is why I've left it on the run sheet because it's it's even I'm scratching my head a little bit. I can't believe Geelong are going to the, tri- going yeah, to the tribunal. Gonna... I, that stuns me. That should... For me, that was a start the IKEA, start the car, start Get the out. car, and accept the one game. Get out of here as quickly um, as we can. Will Day, I understand why Hawthorne are challenging that, trying mm-hmm. to get it downgraded from two to one. Yep. But I don't get why Gary Rowan's one's been challenged whatsoever. I, that's flabbergasting for me. And I'd love that. That's where now we it's it changed. We used to get the extra game. This is one where in my book they should get should another get game for yep. being so stupid to challenge it. Absolutely. Mine. Are we seeing this happen because we're almost going through a generation of players that are getting out of that tackling mode? I mean, I remember when I, I used to play football, it was always tackle and drop the knees, whereas it seems like these days it's tackle and, and turn turn the player. And turn, you've got to be careful in then turning. I think Luke Peddler was very unlucky yep. to get a game the week before. And Adelaide were absolute idiots to challenge McAdam, where McAdam deserved the three they games. They lost the if currency. You bothered to lose the guidelines. And, and I'd, I look forward to running into a couple of people from Adelaide, and I won't hold back. I'll back with that, that they were dumb on that, where Peddler was the one they should have appealed. Um, where they lost a little bit of currency yeah, with the McAdam one, dumb. really dumb. Absolutely. All right, um, cricket mate coming out tonight. Emerging left arm quick. Spencer Johnson has signed a three-year extension with the Redbacks. Look, I'll be honest. I did find that out a couple of weeks ago. That uh, at the um, just before because yep. he wasn't allowed to play the district semi before yep. he went to New Zealand for the Australia A. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that. We that, had to hold fire on that uh, one, didn't we? Yep. Yeah, that day. But it's great news for South Australia. Look, And and Queensland were offering the same oh, three-year contract. Yeah. So that's a big tick. Yeah, and look, I've absolutely wrapped. I admit if I'd been, uh, you know, I would have loved to have gone and play, played at, at the Gabba. But the Gabba being redeveloped as Hags. Mm-hmm. Did point out, Mark Harrity pointed out to me, so he'd be bowling on Alan Borderfield, so it's not quite yep. the enticement as what we all immediately thought. Because yep. so, my first thoughts were, without knowing, obviously, the redevelopment, I hadn't taken that into account, but I thought that maybe Dizzy might have, you know, sort of been mentoring him a little bit, obviously, from the fast bowling point of view. No. Oh, from an Australian trying to I think obviously Mark, promote I think, him. I think more Mark Harrity. Yep, as his coach at West Torrens has done a lot more. Yep, done a lot more there. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm wrapped. He, I'm wrapped that he stayed, mm-hmm. but I am a little bit surprised. But I do think if if they the Gabba wasn't being redeveloped, 
then it may have been different. So, yep. But yeah, In- look, interesting. Great, but great, great result for South Australian cricket. We need all the uh, not the help we can get, but all the positives that we can we can get with these young players and yeah. obviously keeping them in SA. All right, mate, uh, a little bit of a divisive topic tonight. The Victorian um, price, the, the price that Victoria paid for Shane Warne's state funeral. Yeah, look, I almost, for mine, that's got a bit of a bad taste for even coming out. Yep. Um, so a million, 1.8 million, I think, was paid uh, to Eddie Maguire's media company uh, for the production of, of that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm staggered that this has actually made it to the press. Yeah, I, uh, as I said. And hence the reason why I put it on the run yeah, sheet. I, I, I'm, I I'm absolutely staggered. Yeah. Because uh, uh, greater the game. Yeah, I just think, hang on, this that he's one of the all-time greats. That shouldn't be. What, why are we debating debating that? Right. You can sit there and say, you know, so therefore are we now going to say, well, why are Maguire's company charging that much if you're going to go to that extent let's let's leave it alone absolutely i think it's uh yeah not a good look obviously for um the state of victoria that they're arcing up yes all right his family family doesn't need that no it's a big amount of money i understand that especially with you know cost of living and rate rises and et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, uh, you've got a an Australian player who's done his country proud. Um, you know, if they win a gold medal, they, they're generally given a ticker tape parade. So, And I'm sure that costs uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to shut down streets and have police and, and all of that. So I think you've got to – yeah, I can't believe that this actually came out. Yeah, for mine, it just – yeah, I, I don't think it helps anyone. No. Agreed. All right, mate, and we finish off tonight uh, with a little bit of Lawn Bowls news. I, I sort of this came over the airways today, so this one's all on me. Yes, um, yes, we, so we I can some... assure you I won't be giving any input here, mate. <laughs> we, we have some South Australians that are doing some really good things for the potential emerging Jackaroos, which is uh, some younger players here in SA that are um, uh, making waves, obviously, through Bowls Australia. There's an emerging Jackaroos um, squad that is going to be playing against each other in a four-tier system. And we have three players that have been selected in that for SA. We've got Tyson Wilson from the Grange Bowling Club. We've got Nathan Black from the Grange Bowling Club and Grace Maloney. And Grace actually plays out in the country as well. So that is a big tick. Uh, I did play against Grace uh, for Super League in a grand final a season ago. And um, and she's a, a, a gun little player as well. And Tyson and Nathan I know quite well, obviously, through playing Premier League this yep. year. Um, good luck to them. And we just wanted to make mention that some South young South Australians are actually doing some stuff on the national stage and they've been selected in that squad. Yeah, no, good news. And, yeah, all the best, well and truly. Absolutely. All right, we've finished a huge episode, mate. Uh, as per usual, we promise to do better. And for everyone out there, enjoy the gather round. We've got a bit of a gather round uh, of podcast episodes coming out in the next few days. So enjoy them and um, enjoy the gather round. And we'll, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, folks. Thanks, mate. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCast SA. We'll see you next time on Game On.